this morning if you would turn to Romans chapter 12 as we continue our study of that chapter, Romans 12. We're taking the time to go through this and look at it and we're at our sixth message this morning, Romans chapter 12. We'll be looking this morning at verse 10, Romans 12. Someone has written to dwell above... With saints in love, that will indeed be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. 
And uh, that is certainly the case at times. We sing a song called, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. But if we're real honest, sometimes it's challenging to be a part of the family of God, isn't it? There's drama, there's disagreements, there's discussions. We're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're heaven bound. But physically speaking, practically speaking, none of us are perfect. And last week in our study of Romans 12, we were challenged to be a loving people, to love without hypocrisy, to abhor that which is evil and cling to that which is good. And today we begin to see how that fleshes itself out, how we go about exercising that love toward one another. And uh, I think it's a most appropriate verse as we come today to celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we celebrate and, and remember the body Of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ and likewise the unity that should be in the family of God. And the verse before us is very straightforward, uh, but it's that kind of verse that it's good preaching, but hard living. You know, I'm talking about Uh, we need the grace of God. We need the enablement of the Holy Spirit in order to live this out. And, And we're told here that when it comes to a Christian family, we're to display love We're to display humility. Look there at verse 10. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Read it again. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Someone pointed out that perhaps Paul, when he wrote this, was thinking about Psalm 133. Psalm 133 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. And maybe he was thinking about that song about how beautiful it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity when he wrote here, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Now, for there to be true unity, we need to do more than just read these words in Romans 12. We need to live them out. And for just a few minutes, we're going to spend some time as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper today. Thinking about our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and what should be evident in our relationships and what should be present in our relationships. And very simply speaking, the very first thing that should be in place is a warm family love, a warm family love. Look at the verse again. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Now, just as there are those who are in our natural family, those whose bloodline we share, there's a love there between brothers and sisters. There's a love there between those who are in the same family. Just as that kind of love goes on in our physical families, it should be going on in our spiritual family, in our family with our brothers and sisters in Christ. As Farrar put it, love the brethren in the faith as though they were brethren in the blood. You see, beloved, love is a a distinguishing characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you should be a person of love. 
John 13, 35 says this. The Lord Jesus speaking said this. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so as a disciple of Christ, I love the Lord and I love the Lord's people. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we love him only because he first loved us. And as he loves us, we love one another. Now, you remember from last week, beloved, that love is more than a mere emotion. Love is a choice. Sure, there are emotions involved, but the Bible tells us to love in word and in deed. We talked about our choices. We think about an old steam locomotive, a train. We talked about how the fact that our choices must be the engine and our emotions must be the caboose. And never get those reversed. We choose to love. And oftentimes, as we choose to love, guess what? The emotions come right along behind. But the Bible says we're to love. And he says we're to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Now, this theme of brotherly love is not new in the scripture. Listen to these references. Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love continue. First Thessalonians 4, 9, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. First Peter 1.22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Second Peter 1.7, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Second Peter one, uh, uh, the verses prior to that say, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, then to godliness, brotherly kindness and the brotherly kindness, love over and over again. We're told to love one another, to have a brotherly love. Now, granted, if we're honest. Expressing this kind of love to certain people is very easy. There are those who are very easy to love. And then there are those who are not easy to love. Just being honest today, right? There are those very naturally, right? Oh, they're easy to love. And there are those who are not easy to love. There are some, I'm sure, that even their dog has a hard time loving them. He can't decide whether or not he should bite them or obey them. What do you do with those type of people? I mean, those types of people that you're going to spend eternity with forever in heaven, but you wouldn't want to go on vacation with them. What do you do with them? You love them. You choose to love them, warts and all. You choose to love them. Why? Isn't that what God does with us? He chooses to love us. God's love for us is not based upon our loveliness. He chose us and he chooses to love us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loves us. And I'm reminded And I remind you again, as we examine the rest of the verse, that we're to love in word and deed. This love is to be active. It's a love that meets needs. It's a love that is expressed with hands and feet. It's a love that says you're my brother, you're my sister. 
It's a love, as a relator, that weeps with those who weep and rejoices with those who rejoice. It's a love that hurts alongside a brother and sister. It's a love that laughs alongside a brother and sister. It's a love that touches them in practical ways, in word and in deed. It's a love that's real. As we talked about last week, let love be without hypocrisy. It's a discerning love, abhorring, hating that which is evil, clinging to that which is good. And so our Christian life, our relationship should be described as being uh, having a warm family love. And by the way, I'm thankful we have that today. I'm thankful we have that here. That our love is not just in word. It's in deed. And it's real. And it touches lives. But there's a second thing here. I think such a love leads to the next part of the verse. That type of warm family love is a love that displays a humility that honors another above yourself. A humility that honors another above yourself. Look at the verse again, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Now, what's the next part? In honor, giving preference to one another. I love the way the New Living Translation puts this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Delight in honoring each other. Now, what does Paul mean when he says in honor, give preference to somebody else? John MacArthur helps us. He says to honor is not to flatter. Beware of the flatterer, by the way. I'm not talking about flattery. To honor is not to flatter. It's not to give hypocritical praise in hope of having the compliment returned. Some people do that, you know. And it's also not an idea of gaining favor with the one that's honored. He says, again, the very opposite is in mind. To honor is to show genuine appreciation and admiration for one another in the family of God. We're to be quick to show respect. Quick to acknowledge the accomplishments of others. Quick to demonstrate genuine love by not being jealous or uh, envious which have no part in love. It's not just something we're making. It's not just flattery or or trying to get a compliment ourselves or, or gaining favor. It's showing genuine love and honor and appreciation for our brother and sister in Christ. And honor giving preference to one another. Now that flies in the face of what we're told in our world, isn't it? This leaves no room for the me first philosophy of life. That's my way or the highway. We can't live this way and go around singing Sinatra's, I did it my way. That that can't be our theme verse and our, our theme song. No, this is all about honoring others in preference, giving preference to somebody else, honoring somebody else, looking to someone else to be honored. It's a love that honors another. Somebody said, somebody wrote, to honor means to give a person high value and respect. As Christians, we honor people because they've been created in God's image. Because they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen, because they have a unique contribution to make in Christ's church. It's a love that honors someone else. It goes along with Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Beloved, that does not come naturally. 
That comes about supernaturally. That comes about as we allow the Lord to live through our lives. As we choose to give honor to someone else. We see this beautifully displayed in the Bible in the lives of Jonathan and David. Think back to Jonathan and David. Jonathan, of course, the son of the king. He was in line to take the throne. He was the heir of the throne. A wonderful young man, Jonathan. But he chooses to love the one that will ultimately take his place and usurp his throne. He chooses to have brotherly love toward David. He chooses to give honor and preference to the one who would literally take his crown. That's the kind of love we're talking about. That kind of brotherly love. The kind of love that rejoices when another is exalted. Uh, The kind of love that delights when somebody else gets the promotion. Uh, The kind of joy that that, in love that joys in the blessing of someone else. Now, listen, don't answer out loud. Does that describe you? Are you happy when someone else advances? Or are you filled with jealousy and envy? Moms and dads, what are you teaching your kids about this? When somebody else is promoted, when somebody else is exalted, are you teaching them to to rejoice for that person, uh, to be delightful for that person, to to, to be happy for that person? Are we understanding that their gain is not our loss? We rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep and and, in love and honor we give preference to one another. Does that describe you? Be honest about it today. Does that describe you? You really want to know how you're doing when it comes to this? Let someone you know drive up in a new car. And see what you think and say. I'm serious. Let somebody else you know. Close to you drive up in a new car. And park beside your old car. (laughs) And I want you to for a moment judge and think about what are your thoughts. Mmm, must be nice. Mm, somebody got a new car. He was in Sunday school. A red Lamborghini. How would you feel if Rick got a new red Lamborghini? Is that what we think or is it this? I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad for you. What a blessing to you and your family. I don't mean making it up. I don't mean fake. I don't mean that kind of. I mean, genuinely, you're rejoicing in their blessing. I know that's a simple, maybe even a silly illustration, but it helps us to be honest about it. If we're honest, beloved, sometimes our lives are filled with envy and jealousy. And it's not what we find here. It's not that brotherly love that says, listen, I rejoice when my brother or sister does well. And I rejoice about that. And in honor, I give preference to them. Their gain is not your loss. And as a brother and sister in Christ, you should rejoice. See, there's no room for envy. There's no room for jealousy. There's no room for lust. And really, it's interesting. As we come to verse 10 in our study, it builds right on top of this morning's Sunday school lesson, doesn't it? About conflict and fighting and lust and desires. But the Lord says this to us. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly, I love that, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. That's what should be going on. Kindly affectionate. 
a warm family love, an honor-giving preference to one another. I read a story about two men who grew up as best friends. And though Jim was just a little older than Philip and assumed the, the role of leader, Jim and Philip did everything together. They went to high school together, went to college together, and after college they decided to join the Marines And by a unique set of circumstances, they were sent to Germany together and they fought side by side in one of history's ugliest wars. One sweltering day during a fierce battle and heavy gunfire bombing and close quarters combat, they were given the command to retreat. And as the men were running back, Jim noticed that Philip had not returned with the others and panic gripped his heart. And Jim knew if Philip was not back another minute or two, he would not make it back. And Jim went to his commanding officer and begged him to let him go after his friend. But the officer would not allow him, saying it would be suicide. Risking his own life, Jim disobeyed orders and went after his friend Philip. His heart pounding within his chest, he ran into the gunfire calling, Philip, Philip. And a short time later, his platoon saw him hobbling across the field, carrying a limp body in his arms. Jim's commanding officer upbraided him, shouting, it was foolish and a waste of time. He was outraged at the risk he would take of his own life. He said, your friend is dead and there's nothing you could do. Jim replied, no, sir. You're wrong. I got there just in time. He said before he died, his last words were, I knew you would come. That's the type of love we're talking about, beloved. I wonder, do your brothers and sisters in Christ, do they know that you love them like that? Could they honestly say in the darkest days, in the lowest times of life, when all is gone, could they honestly look at you and say these words? I knew you would come. That's the type of love we're to have. A love without hypocrisy. A warm, kind, family love. A brotherly love that in honor. Gives preference to another. A love that rejoices when they rejoice. And weep when they weep. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have. And now, Father, as we bow in your presence again, we've been challenged by your word today. Lord, to have a real love, a genuine, unhypocritical love. Lord, a love that displays itself in a way to our brothers and sisters in Christ that says, I rejoice with you, I weep with you, I laugh with you. A love that there has no room for envy or jealousy. A love that's real. A love that gives preference to one another. A love that seeks to honor and takes delight in honoring others with Genuine appreciation and genuine thanks. 
Holy Spirit, examine our hearts today. Put your finger on anything that shouldn't be there. Help us to confess it. To make it right. Lord, I pray if anybody here today is not a part of the family of God. Does not know the free gift of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this for a moment as we are bowed in your presence. They turn from their sin. And place their faith in you. And while your head is still bowed and your eyes closed, friend, you can do that right where you are. You turn from your sin and call out to the Lord and he will save you and forgive you and redeem you. While everyone's head is still bowed and eyes are still closed, we want to take a moment of examination as we come to the Lord's Supper today. We want to come with clean hands and pure hearts. So I'm going to give you a moment there to allow the Holy Spirit to examine you and for you to get anything that's not right, to get it right. Would you do that right now?